I'm sure like some of you listening, that your heart longs to see and experience things that we haven't seen in our day. I want to see the return of signs, wonders, and miracles as a common occurrence, not just in our church gatherings, but just as the people of God are going about their day and they're being a vessel for the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the kingdom of God for the glory of God. I mean, when we think about what happened in the book of Acts, Paul taking handkerchiefs and people being healed, Peter's shadow falling upon people, Paul being bit by a snake and shaking it off and nothing happening to him. I mean, in the early church, there was such a pronounced power of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that also was very prevalent and much needed, not only in that day, but in our day, is the concept of living in authentic community. I think one of the greatest flaws of the modern church is that we have become more of an institution that is driven by money and prestige than an authentic community of believers. You know, the early church didn't have the mindset of, I'm going to go to a prayer meeting. They understood that they were the church. They were just committed to Jesus and enjoyed fellowshipping with each other and growing in relationship with him and one another. I have to ask the question, if the only time we gather together is after a Sunday morning service in the back or in the kitchen around coffee and donuts, and we never talk, call, pray for, think of anybody else in that fellowship. Do we really live in authentic community? Community defined the early church. They understood the need for one another. And I don't think it's by any accident that when Paul writes scripture, he would use the example of the body as in spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Or how in Ephesians 4, he talks about how that every joint supplies, or how that in Colossians 2, talking about the ligaments that hold things together. He's using the example of the body to demonstrate the importance of the body and how vitally important it is that you and I are rooted and grounded in community. We must be a people who live in community. You know, my father was in a coal mine accident back in the mid-90s, and as a result, he lost his leg. When, when, when you lose blood flow to a ligament or to a limb in your body, that limb 
is going to die. And that's what happened to him. He lost blood flow to that part of his body, and that part of the body died. You and I were meant to do life not just with our family, but with the family that God has joined us to. And I even want to take it a step further and say it's time that the churches in America learn to do fellowship with one another. One of the, probably one of the, the saddest statements I ever heard was from a pastor a few years back. We were meeting, he was a new pastor in the area, and I had called and reached out to him about how do we pull churches together and really uh, have this concept of Psalm 133 where the Bible tells us that it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together. And his first statement was this. His first statement was, we got to make sure that pastors don't steal other people's sheep. And I was so disturbed and concerned that that was his primary thought. We can't have fellowship with each other because we're so afraid that somebody's going to take my people from my church and put them in their church. And that's the issue. It's not my church. It is Jesus's church. Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail. Possibly the reason the gates of hell is is prevailing against what we call the church is because it isn't Jesus's church. It's something a man did out of a narcissistic need to gain attention and to get um, self-fulfillment. And the end it's producing is nothing but death, discourse, strife, and every other evil thing. You know, I had a pastor friend who years ago would say that even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And that was his way of trying to help us understand as your ministers that you were never intended to do life by yourself. You know, it's very interesting when we get into uh, the creation of kind of Genesis. God says this, that it's not good for man to be alone, that I will make him a suitable a suitable helper for him. Now, let's think about this for just a moment. This is before the fall. Adam walked in fellowship with God. Adam walked in unhindered fellowship with God. There was no restriction we can tell in the Bible. He walked with his maker in the cool day, and yet God says it isn't good for man to be alone, which dispels the notion that if you have God, you have all you need. While I understand the thought behind the saying, the scripture actually teaches us that it's not good for us to be alone. And so he makes man to have fellowship with him, but then he makes man a helpmate because you were intended to do life with another. Solomon says, two are better than one, for if one falls, the other will help him up. Moses writes in Deuteronomy that one would chase a thousand to flight, and two would put ten thousand to flight. There is a synergistic um, synergy released when we work together. 
And this is the importance of us being a people who live in community and we're not and we're not afraid to be in community. Matter of fact, before the fall, what was it? They were naked and not ashamed. There was complete transparency among them without fear of judgment, fear of shame. And of course, we understand that this is before the fall. So those things hadn't come into the garden yet. But what hinders, I'm convinced, what hinders many from authentic community is shame. They still live in shame. They still live in fear. There is still doubt of being judged. And that's not the heart of God. When we come into the family of God, it's to be accepted, loved, made whole, made right, redeemed, and be able to walk free of condemnation, free of fear, free of guilt, free of judgment, free of shame, to realize that I am loved and I am valued, not for what I do, but for who I am. And it's hard to love people like that when you yourself are lacking in that very same thing. And so I want to just... um you know, as we do these podcasts, I'm, I'm trying not to go super long. I want to maybe go 15, 20 minutes. I don't want to just give you just a ton of information. I want to really just take a few minutes and just kind of hit home with a thought that will really challenge your thought process. But I want to just say this, is that family is the heart of God. Um, it's his heart. It's family. And I want to actually take the word community and family for the next few minutes, and I want to use them uh, in the same context. There is a need for family. Family is an interesting concept. While salvation is a personal experience, you're born into a family. So each family is an individual kingdom. And so as we gather with other families in our local assembly, we become a collective kingdom. Then, as as I was saying a while ago, as we gather with other churches, we then become an even bigger collective kingdom. So this is why it's so vital that we learn to do life together. We learn to do life together. And it's really important that we understand that this is that family is God's instrument in the earth to accomplish his will. God told a family to have dominion, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to do it. He didn't command that to a faithful ministry or to a local church. He commanded a family to do that. Now, while we understand that the vehicle for the kingdom of God coming into the earth is through the local church going through fivefold ministry, what we must understand is this is that God's original intention for uh these things to happen was through a family. So the church should function and look like a family. If it was God's intent in Genesis chapter one, then it's still God's intent for today to look like act like, behave like a family, because in family there is there is um, 
cohesiveness, there's celebration, there's uh, we gather around and we exhort and we encourage with each other. We we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so I want to just start, and I want to just start with what is what is or what are the characteristics of community? And I'll just give you one for today. The first one is this, is a place that partners with heaven. Genesis 2.5 says this, Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. And it's only after God makes man in verse 7 that after man is made that the earth begins to spring forth from the seed that God put into it. Here's the point. There are things that God wants to release into a region, but he will not do it unless a person is in place. Unlike us, God is a very good steward of what he does. And so God doesn't waste time, and God doesn't waste seed. And so when he teaches his disciples to pray, he teaches them to pray that it will be on earth as in heaven. So we have, through the responsibility to partner with God to see our region look like heaven. Now, what does that look like? I think it looks like a lot of time, like Genesis 18, when Abraham is interceding for for Sodom. The story is this, is that God is ready to destroy Sodom because it is extremely wicked. And Abram starts and says, God, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare it? And God says, I will. And then he goes 45 and 40 and 30 and 20, and he gets all the way down to, I believe, 10. And he asks God, God, if there's 10 righteous, will you spare it? And God said, I will. Here's a very sobering truth we must grab hold of. While Sodom was an extremely wicked city, and I cannot stress how wicked it was, it wasn't destroyed because of its wickedness. It was destroyed because it lacked righteousness. God wants a family of believers who will partner with his purpose in the earth that it will look it will look like on earth as in heaven. He wants a group of people who are family who know how to gather together in prayer. We see this with Peter. After Peter is thrown in jail, it says that they are gathered together and they're praying and interceding. And as they're praying, Peter is released. The angel comes and he opens the the gates of the jail and the gates of the city. That happened because a people gathered together for a reason outside of themselves, and they gathered together for the need of one among them. It will amaze us what would begin to happen when you and I 
actually begin to do things not simply for ourselves, but for the need of one in our fellowship. We need a true understanding of what koinonia really is and how to live in koinonia, how to really do life with one another, and in that, God is glorified in it and through it. And so I want to just encourage you today as you listen to this, how can you partner with heaven? And even with that, I want to challenge you with this. Are you really living in authentic community? Are you in a place that you can be who God made you? Are you in a place where people really honor you and celebrate you and call out the best in you? Or are you in a place where people just tolerate you and and speak down of you? They don't see the gift that God has put in you. Listen, you were made to do life in the community, and it's it's really interesting. When Jesus is breaking bread with his disciples for that last supper, he takes a loaf and he gives a piece to each member of the group. The beauty of the story is this, is that not one member had the entire loaf, but each member had a piece, and it was only in coming together that the whole loaf was made. It's only in true community that we realize that we need everybody coming together for the glory of God, for the purpose of God to be done in our day and age. So today, I just bless you to live in this place called authentic community, to find your place, to be celebrated, to be loved, to be encouraged and equipped today. In Jesus' name.